This is episode 43. In this episode, you'll meet Teresa Avelar, the founder and therapist of Maya Huel Massage and Body Therapy. She specializes in prenatal massage and Arvigo Mayan Abdominal Massage Therapy. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, I'm Giselle Martin, and this is Relate and Elevate. Bienvenidos! It's a podcast where Latinx business owners share stories of cultural identity and entrepreneurship. I believe consumers want to support businesses they relate to because it gives them a sense of community. Also, join me on my business mindfulness series where I share business tips and activities that will help you grow and sustain your business. So please subscribe to Relate and Elevate to learn more about closing the cultural gaps in the marketplace. So hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Relate and Elevate and I am on location, on site (laughs) this time uh, at a very special place. It's called Maya Huel Massage and Body Therapy. Did I say it correctly? Yes. Okay, because sometimes you don't pronounce the H, but that's not really a Spanish word, right? It's an Aztec word. It's a goddess from or a diocese from uh, Aztec mythology. She is the uh, goddess of the agave plant and uh, mezcal, tequila. Um, But the reason that I picked her is because, um, if you know, mezcal has a light white kind of uh, color to it. And so they refer to her as the goddess of fertility, those that protect uh, women who are pregnant. So since my specialty in massage is prenatal, postnatal, and preconception massage, um, I thought it was perfect. Oh, cool. I like it. And it's really pretty and beautiful. And you can see a goddess coming out of the agave plant. I love it. (laughs) So do you want to introduce yourself? You talked a little bit about your business, but you want to introduce yourself? Of course. Um, So my name is uh, Teresa Avalar. Um, I am a native of San Francisco. I've lived here my whole life. Um, my culture, I guess, is uh, half Mexican, half Cuban, but I'm first generation American. So I really relate to both of my roots and I am, I've been a massage therapist for about 25 years, specializing in prenatal and postnatal work. Um, about seven years ago, I started also doing something called um, the Arvigo Mayan Abdominal Massage, and that has become my passion for this work. Um, So I created and built this business around those three specialties. How cool. That's like, it's so important for us as women to take care of our special women body body parts. It's true. (laughs) But yes, the womb, like everything, it covers it. Like I actually... Um, in the past like year or so, mm-hmm. have done a few guided meditations on that, on the womb, like womb work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's what it's called. Or yeah. I don't really know. Um, and I have noticed a difference in myself mm-hmm. in, and just in different ways and different capacities that I've changed. But, um, but we can talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah. Right now, I just want to get to know you personally a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to ask you a few questions. Um, like, what's your favorite food? 
Um, I would have to say Cuban black rice with plantains and either lechon and yuca frita. <laughs> That's my go-to meal if I was going to have my last meal. How do you make Cuban black rice? I don't um, think I've ever had any. You just basic, I mean, everyone does it a little bit differently, but you get uh, black beans and you put, you know, bell peppers and gar lots of garlic. You make like a, almost like a stew and then you put the rice in it and it taints the rice, make, making it black. Um, oh, okay. And then we do, you know, a little bit of a mojo on the side where it has a cumin, um, oregano, lemon, lots of garlic, um, and onions, and a little bit of lard because that's how we cook. And then you pour that all over the rice before it's done, and it's delicious. You oh. should have some. So if you haven't had your Cuban food, go get some. <laughs> Where can we get some Cuban food around here? I don't um, really... There's Cuban Kitchen in, in uh, San Mateo. Um, there is, you know, the more more chain restaurants like Cha Cha Cha's, which is in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, I have had Cha Cha Cha's. And That's there, really good. Yeah, and there's also another, like, two Cuban restaurants, one in Oakland and one in San Francisco, but I can't remember the names right now. Yeah, there's not two. There's not very many. Yeah, not around here, not in the Bay Area. But you could always go to my grandma's house. <laughs> okay. She will what always feed you. What time is dinner? Yeah. <laughs> she will always feed you. <laughs> so what's your favorite color? Oh, um, burgundies. Burgundies, purples, blues. Those are like those very jewel type colors are my favorites. But I'd say a good burgundy is my favorite. Yay, that's what I'm wearing. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the most recent book you've read? Um... <laughs> Actually, ahead. I read a lot, but um, lately I've been reading more for work than for fun. So it hasn't been as uh, mem not memorable because they all just kind of mix in with me. Um, I'm currently reading a book called uh, The Fourth Trimester. And it is basically more about how women, you know, when they, when they, are pregnant you see the baby you see the baby bump you take such good care of yourself and the minute the baby is born it's like you forget all about you and it's all about the new baby but a lot of women forget that there's a new mom that also has happened and that is a big change for them they also need to take care of themselves um, and I find it fascinating because fascinating because it has so many references to different cultures um, in that book, um, you know, it talks about the cuarenta, it talks about, you know, in India it might be 30 days, in China it's 30 days, and different practices throughout the world on how people take care of themselves postpartum. So, kind of reading that, getting a lot more ideas, suggestions from my clients, and so I'm constantly reading something new. <laughs> yeah, that's really important. I'm glad that you bring that up, because it really, like, when you were talking about it, like, I felt something like... Oh my god <laughs> yeah well, there was a transformation for me and yeah. to be honest like i had three c-sections mm -hmm. so like my uh recovery um was different than mm -hmm. if i had natural birth like i literally was forced to lay in bed in the hospital and i stayed in the hospital an extra few days longer than what natural um birthing moms do yeah and I really believe that helped 
me recover <laughs> recover a little bit better <laughs> or for for me right recover yeah. it, you just take extra time we're like I literally couldn't get out of bed. Like right. I couldn't get up and walk out of bed for 24 hours so, after the surgery. Yeah. Um, and then when I could, I was still in the hospital and I had people taking care of me and taking care of the baby right. all at the same time. So. Well, I think this is one of the only Western cultures where we don't really have a lot of practices for moms. It, you know, even your six-week checkup, it's how the how was the baby and how is everything going with the baby. But there really isn't a lot of uh, community or culture around taking care of the mom after birth. Yeah. It, it's, it's very much um, something that people bring from their own ancestors than something that they find here. Yeah, it's so weird how, like, I go to a six when you go to a six-week checkup, you go to your gynecologist, mm -hmm. but they're talking about the baby, and yeah. it's just like... What about me? What? <laughs> I just went through like, birth. It's like uh, it's like a warrior who literally went through battle and get nothing. <laughs> like, I have the scars to prove it. Um, okay, but we're still talking about you personally, yes. so what? Um, what's the last song you listened to? Oh, um, I always listen to Mark Anthony, Vivir Mi Vida. Oh, that's like one that. of my favorites it kind of gives me uh first a burst of energy in my morning yeah and it reminds me to be present to live my life and not be so consumed with everyone else and what they're doing and yeah you know and just kind of be easy in the to let other things take over but yeah yeah so that's my daily mantra i guess if you could meet one person dead or alive, who would that be? Oh, I'd love to meet Robin Williams because I think he's so fun. I know that uh, I just think he had a lot of energy and, and he healed a mm -hmm. lot of people through humor. And yeah, I feel kind of, you know, sad of his passing. But I think he was just one someone that I would love to have dinner with and just have an en more enormous conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for fun. sure. Yeah, when I think of Robin Williams, I think of my childhood. Like, I grew mm -hmm. up watching him on TV. Yeah. yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire to, you know, Patch Adams. Mm -hmm. it just, it's, Jumanji. Jumanji, yes. All those movies that really brought a lot to my childhood. And they made it fun. They made it entertaining. But, you know, I mean, I, I even watched him through Mork and Mindy. Mm. Like, we were latchkey kids, so we spent a lot of time watching television at home <laughs> alone. So, tell us something that only a handful of people know about you. Mm. I guess uh, something that only very, very few people know about me is I get very insecure. I'm a very, uh, I get insecure about my own culture. I have a little bit of a problem sometimes feeling like I fit in and I assimilate and uh, which is kind of interesting because I'm diving into this as my work but um, I don't always feel like I fit in really well hmm. you know it's like um, a little I, bit, I do know what you mean a little bit of that you know idealism of not a Latina enough not American enough, not white enough, not, you know, where, where does it everything fit in? And in this age where 
you know, um, cultural appropriation is so um, a topic of a lot of people's conversations, I, I get really uh, self-conscious about my own knowledge and my own um, history and lack of knowledge of it. So I think that's something that I'm, I'm still struggling with and working on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that you're not alone. I think a lot of people feel that way. I feel that way too a lot of the times when I walk into the room and I'm like, oh, the only Latina and mm-hmm. like I'm supposed to represent this, all this like group of people. I'm like, uh, no, I no. can only represent me. I, exactly. Right? And yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's like also kind of like puts a lot of pressure. Like I feel like society puts a lot of pressure um they at do. the same time yeah they do and and i think that you know you're right you can't represent an entire culture you are molded into your own culture your own person um and so you could only represent yourself and i think if you do it with honor and you do it with respect and you um you do it with the best intentions i don't think that you can go wrong but it's still something that struck that i struggle with um, yeah, especially lately, it's almost like, do you want to speak Spanish? Do you not want to speak Spanish? I want to tell the whole wide world I'm Sp- you know, that I can do it, and and then you've got so many people who will criticize you for it. So yeah, it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough place to be, especially. Yeah, so I mean, this is a good segue to continue talking about cultural identity. Like mm-hmm. earlier, you mentioned that you are. Uh, Cuban and Mexican Mm -hmm. and American so how do you self-identify um I guess I I ultimately I identified myself as a Latina woman who was born in this country and was blessed to have two parents who sacrificed everything and you know came here to a brand new country when they were very young they gave me as much as they possibly could and you know first a person in my family to graduate college and you know now running my own business so I know that a lot of those opportunities might not have happened if they had not sacrificed um, but I definitely have a more western cultural um, influence but I don't want to I don't dismiss my roots either you know and I, I love both sides of my heritage and um, I'm always trying to represent that in in the most positive light yeah so what does the term cultural identity mean to you um i guess i simplify that and i i just i to me it means that um i i don't forget where i came from i don't forget the people that um are my family my my um my extended family you know I, I think that there is um, an importance in bringing our culture forward and not letting certain traditions and language die um, so for me it's it's understanding my culture accepting my culture and, and living my culture as much as I can because I love it but I don't really identify as one thing or another yeah I mean, that's just, it's just a really big, broad term mm-hmm. that could be very simple, but it could be very complicated. Exactly. So. 
So we talked a little bit about your business already, uh, Maya Juel. And do you want to tell us, like, um, like what do you sell? Do you sell products and services? Um, like, where do you sell them? And then maybe, like, how, how did your business vision come about? Like, how did you come up with this whole idea? Idea. Um, do I have to answer that in order? <laughs> <laughs> no, however you want. <laughs> All right. Um, so... Uh, like I mentioned, I was a massage therapist for about 25 years, and um, about two years ago, we were had the opportunity to move to a new location, and when I did that, I actually changed my name to Maya Well Massage and Body Therapy. Um, I was looking for something that was not the normal Buddha, Zen, Lotus, massage, healing hands. It's so commonly used. Um, I wanted something that represented my culture, my family, and also represented what I did and what I specialized in. Um, I special, like I said, I specialize in postnatal and prenatal work. Um, and I found that pretty early on in my career when I was about 20, 22, I didn't even have kids back then, but I just realized that there was a big need for therapists that do this work and there wasn't very many people doing it. Um, I'm almost sad to say that in 20 years that has not changed very much. I am, as far as I know, the only um, massage therapist that has this much experience working with pregnancy. And I work with pregnant women from first trimester to when they're past their due date. Um, I also specialize in the Arvigo techniques of Mayan abdominal massage therapy, um, which is amazing for help with reproductive issues as like PCOS, endometriosis, or unexplained infertility, um, which is something that has come up a lot in our society, especially as women are waiting longer and longer to have children um, because of their careers or they're not finding their partners. And uh, that has really shifted my, my services so for the most part I sell services which is all of my massages I also do uh, body treatments like uh, horchata body scrubs or Aztec chocolate mud wraps um, um, I also do a Cuban rum massage so I still do a lot of the fun things that people want and I've I incorporated a lot of Latin inspired body treatments to that in terms of things that I sell um, I don't sell a lot of product. Um, what I do do is I make my own tinctures that I learned how to do with my Arvigo training and things like um, vaginal steam baths, um, herbs, um, castor oil packs, and um, medical formulas for things like cysts or fibroids. So again, back to that women's wellness and reproductive issues that... Um, I like to offer an alternative to the medicine that most people see from their doctors. So you talked about this gap in your industry of like not having too many um, pregnancy or postpartum massage or prenatal mm -hmm. massage therapists. What? Why do you? Why do you think that is? Or or what? 
Um, Why do you think this still exists after, you know, you still you doing this for 25 years? I, you know, I think part of it is that um, as massage therapists, they go to school for a year, or year and a half, and they're learning how to do all of this work for, on people's stomachs and on their backs. And then someone comes pregnant and they can only do the work on their side and it throws them off. <laughs> it's like a completely new technique. Um, and so they don't. They don't want to invest the time and the money because it is very expensive to get further training in prenatal work. Um, they also need specialized pillows. They need more insurance. And it requires more sheets. It requires more time to set up and break down. So if you think about it that way, you know, you're losing out on potential money because you have to have more time in between each client to properly clean and set up everything. So a lot of therapists would just ra rather do what is traditional massage. Hmm. But as someone who's been pregnant twice, I can tell you that I've gone to get sessions and their work isn't up to par. It's really, really light. And I have to remind them I'm not diseased. I'm not hurt. I'm just pregnant, you know, give me the work that I need so that I could feel better because you do have a lot your body changes so dramatically yeah. every month every week and you will have different pain points throughout your pregnancy um and then so for me it was really important to be able to give that to my community mm -hmm. and to start bringing that culture back of being able to take care of the moms as well as um the babies when they're born yeah. So to me, it's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really important, and I'm really glad that you're doing this. Thank you. And um, you've already mentioned a lot of many different ways how your cultural identity affects the way you run your business. Mm -hmm. um, have you faced any like struggles because um, of this? I I think not necessarily struggles, but sometimes I will get a lot more different looks. Uh, from people who are surprised what to, to see me, I think. I think that's the thing that kind of throws me off a little bit. You know, they're looking for the sobadora who's, you know, 65 years old with the long braids down her leg, you know, down her back. And, <laughs> okay, you that's know, a stereotype. Yeah, it's a total stereotype. And I'm just like, we all learn different, you know, we all come from, we all look different. You, you're going to have to trust that I just have the knowledge in my my body and my hands and my head and you know that not be so stereotypical of what I look like versus what your services you're gonna get um but no I think once people actually start talking to me and um we we have the conversation of understanding where we're coming from and what we need I think that kind of goes away but at first a lot of people are very standoffish um especially with our beagle work um, because it's, they're looking for the base science. They're looking for, you know, what pill can you give me to make this work? And that's not the way that, you know, um, this therapy exists. Um, I think my, my biggest takeaway for most women is that our womb is our center of gravity. That's our powerhouse. That is where we're creative. That is where we get our strength. And most people are very disconnected from their womb. 
So I really appreciate you doing those little meditations and spreading that word out to others because I think that, you know, if we just all kind of can take a minute and reconnect to our bodies a little bit, we'd all be a lot healthier and we'd all be a lot more knowledgeable about our own bodies and be more empowered because I'm not against Western medicine at all. Um, I just want you to have some knowledge and, and just take things, not take things for granted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm very aware of chakras and mm-hmm. chakra energy and I... I'm also a very, very uh, intuitive person, mm-hmm. um, but when I started doing the uh, womb meditations, it really uh, changed my life in a different way. Like, so you mentioned that it's, um, like, it's also part of the women's, like, creativity, mm-hmm. and yeah, when I started doing those meditations, I really noticed that... I really noticed that my creativity level just kind of it, it just took me to like a different level like my me envisioning things mm-hmm. like for myself like my manifestation like yes me manifesting things in my own life um which is really having the vision and then being able to see the opportunities mm-hmm. and connecting them to my vision and then actually having the courage to take it on, to go with it, to to do it, because yeah. I do, I really do believe that we there's always opportunities presented to us, and we're always dreaming and envisioning mm-hmm. things, but it's the connecting of all of them, and then like pushing ourselves to do it that that's really like the hard part, and if we're not in tune with our bodies and we're not aligned then we're not really that's I think is a part that's missing for a lot of people or a lot of times like there's a time in my life where I I I didn't feel like aligned or I didn't feel like I like pushed to 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 encourage myself to do something but now I do and and it wasn't just that one time I did the meditation it's like a practice it is a practice and also other meditations that I do or other practices that I've incorporated in my life that I definitely have seen a change in the way that I feel my own energy and the way that I feel other people's energy too I I I definitely agree with you I think that you know as humans we're one of the only creatures who can actually do that you know that we know of that can visualize and dream and and make those dreams more of a reality and, you know, put put that connection between what we, what we want, what we desire, and how we can go ahead and get that. And it does come from our, our power source, which is our womb as women. Um, we are, we are very emotional beings and we process a lot of our emotions through our gut whether it is stress, nerves, you know, happiness. You all, you know, you always say, oh, that butterfly is in my, in my stomach or the excitement that you feel, you know, is in your stomach. Everything is coming from your womb. Everything is coming from that power source that you have and it's just channeling in it and allowing yourself to believe that that strength is there for you so that you can conquer the things that you want. I think it's amazing. Yeah. 
power of intention. I mean, is huge. men have men have it too. Men they, have it too. They do, but they also lead a lot more with their chest, with their mm-hmm. heart. Their you know their power source is more their upper body. Women's are always going to be their hips, mm-hmm. our hips and our womb. Hmm. So, um, going back to when you transitioned from your old your past massage therapy business mm-hmm. to now Maya Huel, and even before that when you started your other uh, therapy business, how easy or difficult was it for you to find what you needed like to, to start your business or when you transitioned to this business? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's easy. Um, I worked full-time for 20 years and then did massage at night. And it's been about two years that I transitioned to full-time massage, and I love it. I do. Um, but training is still difficult. I had to travel to Belize. I traveled through the jungles. I literally traveled through all over to get the training that I wanted. Um, I have traveled through Mexico to also get further training. So it, it took some time. It took because it's not always available here in the States. And it took a leap of faith that I was going to be able to make it. San Francisco is not an easy city to make a living in. Um, but I'm really blessed. I have great clients. And I, I I, think for me, it's something that I just felt needed to, I needed to service people. And I think that at the end of the day, you kind of have to figure out what your, what your uh, passion is. And for me, it's being of service, being of service to this community of women who, whether they're going, whatever part of their journey they're going through, it doesn't always have to be moms, but any part of their journey, I want to be there and I want to help them out. So I'm glad I took it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. And I'm pretty sure all of your clients are very, very happy too. (laughs) And now I'd like to take a little break. Mercado Latinx is the first mercado in Northern California and the San Francisco Bay Area. Their mission is to support the goals and visions of Latinx entrepreneurs by activating the community in events that showcase hard work and the people behind the dream. Listen to episode 14 of Relate and Elevate to meet several vendors of Mercado Latinx and to learn how it all started by a simple idea and a collaboration initiated by the founder and owner of Postric. So what's the fa- your favorite technological tool that you use for your business? Um, I guess I'd have to say my phone. And the only reason I say that is because um, my, my business is so hands-on. It is about people and it is about connection. But while I'm doing that, someone has to run that business and so having an online system to book clients book appointments um you know constant reminders i can do everything on my phone from newsletters to social media posts um to website updates and everything i do it on my phone so i try not to be too too connected just to my phone but it's an it's something that is necessary and to have such a small powerhouse in my hands to be able to do work anywhere is great yeah for (laughs) sure so what um 
what do you use to send newsletters and what what do you use as your website host and um, um and what do you use to do your online appointments so uh online appointments i do it through a, a program called acuity um the my website is through squarespace and on my website you're able to book your appointments directly or purchase gift certificates um newsletters i usually do mailchimp um mm, yeah i like mailchimp yeah, it's easy mm-hmm. i um, really like the app too yes there's some things that i can't see on the app that i could see when i'm logged in but i but i like it yeah it, it, it makes it convenient i mean it's not perfect but it makes it convenient and i can get a lot of it done um I try only to do four a year because they are time consuming and I don't want people thinking that my business is spamming them. So, you know, I, I try to do enough that I'm just being very mindful of my intention, why I want to communicate what I'm trying to communicate without getting too salesy and too spam. Again, for me, it's more about being of service and if they are ready, then they'll come in and versus trying to be too salesy to my clients yeah I want them to be to find it useful yeah yeah that's important too because if you lose connection with your customers in such a very personal uh service-based business then yeah 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 it just doesn't make sense no they can't get the emails three times a day all day (laughs) (laughs) so if you could have done something different what would that have been um, I think if I had done something different, um, one, I would have done it a long, long time ago. Um, and I probably would have branched out a little bit bigger, um, to start off. I think that, um, like you would have gone full-time massage therapist owner. Full-time. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. A lot a lot earlier in my career um but my husband is in IT so that had brought on a lot of uh, volatility in the beginning parts of our marriage um you know with the whole dot coms and everything failing so I, I was very scared of you know a job that is so volatile as well you know you're relying on clients coming in you're relying on uh consistency and I wasn't sure that I could get it. Um, now that, you know, things are kind of settled in, I am looking back, I'm like, ah, oh, should have done it earlier. I think it would have been great to have um, ability to expand and train other people to do what I do in a bigger facility. But that's coming. That's coming. Oh, good. Yeah. That's good. So can you share some advice for anyone with a culturally specific business or an idea or even anybody in the massage industry Um, or healing? Healing. I I think that, you know, I think the best advice and kind of goes to my fears is don't let don't let fear make your decisions. Um, I think that held me back for a long time. Um, So I feel like. If you're passionate about something and you, you know, you go for it, 
you do it with respect, you do it with um, as much knowledge as you possibly can, but don't don't wait for everybody's approval. Don't you know? Don't be looking for everybody's approval. Um, you've got to you've got to do it, and you do it the best way you can. Um, I think for me, waiting for everyone to or wait or kind of mess this one up, but um, waiting for everything to be perfect, waiting for everything to be the most knowledgeable, to mm-hmm. be the most you know to do something made me yeah not do it early enough. Yeah, and I know too. I needed to go in and get the experience and just work it and work it and work it and keep yeah. working that passion that you love until you're that knowledgeable, until you're that, you know, skilled. Yeah. Um, so definitely not doing it, not letting fear make the decision for you. There's always an aspect of fear that you have to respect, but not not have it control your entire decision process. Yeah. You know? So go for it. Enjoy it. There's people who need it. Do it. So, like, it's interesting you said that to not let fear make your decisions. So, you do you mean that fear was holding you back? Definitely. Because, like, on the other side, I've heard, and actually I do like this uh, perspective, is when you're fearful of something... Mm-hmm then pay attention to it and then actually do it. Do like, it, yes. With fear. Yeah. So in, like, on the other side of the coin, fear is actually, is drive, help to drive your decision, but, you know what I mean? It's just two different ways it could go. I think in that perspective, fear is an indicator, but not a blocker. Yeah. And so you have to, you have to see fear as like, okay, is that fear excitement? Is that fear telling me that there is something I need to pursue because maybe someone else hasn't done it? It's unknown. Yeah. Um, which that's a good fear, you know. Yeah. But when you're sometimes you let fear make you so indecisive that you don't mm-hmm. decide that that makes you not decide. Mm-hmm. And then it, you, you that step, decides for that you. That decides yeah. for you exactly. And you stay in limbo for way too long trying to, you know, get out of that so that you can either decide to do something or not you've waited so long it's that was decided and it's done and yeah that that it's not the way to go about making a decision (laughs) there's so many different levels of fear too there's like the being cautious like for safety reasons yes like this is really hard concept for me to uh teach my kids about because Mm -hmm. I want them to be in tune, like, with their fear. Like, if they're afraid of something, then, like, you know, like, for safety reasons, like, or if they feel, like, bad energy around them, like, that, you know, brings up some fear in them, then, like, okay, listen to it, pay attention. Mm -hmm. But then, like, if there's fear that's, like, holding you back, pay attention also, but in a different way. Like, why is it holding you back? And, like, then there's this other fear that's, like, trying to push you forward or push you wherever. Right. Like, there's there's so many different types of fear. Like, that's one thing that's really, really hard for me to explain to my children because they don't, they don't really necessarily experience, haven't, they haven't experienced, like, those big life moments of, you know that where they're gonna reference it to right like but I think that comes back to 
people being connected to themselves. Yeah. Because, you know, like you mentioned before, that's your own intuition. That's your own guide. You know, being more aware of your own feelings and thoughts. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, we're very disconnected from that. We're very connected to our phones, our laptops, our computers, our, you know, what other people want or live in social media land and, you know, how perfect everyone's life looks around us. But we're very not connected to what it is that we really want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I reference my kids and... Um, a lot of times I feel like what they want isn't necessarily what they want. It's what somebody else has. And now it becomes the shiny new object they want. And, you know, having your children have a little bit more of that awareness to really understand our own being and Mm -hmm. understand, yeah, this, this person's giving me bad energy. Yeah. I should be cautious. Yeah. Or maybe I should just, you know, keep my distance because I don't want that. I don't want to bring that bad energy with me. Um, You know, people can literally rub you the wrong way. Yeah. (laughs) So I think bringing a lot of that or that awareness to kids and the new generation is really important. Um, But not have it, not fear being the fear that stops them from moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's still really hard, to, no matter what. <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> as adults, as children, and all in between. <laughs> yes. And we keep learning, no matter what. No matter our age, we keep learning. And yeah. We keep growing. And as long as we continue to do that, we're better off. We just are. We're better off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm still going through things. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I mean definitely we're all still going through things that are like make us so afraid i'm like holy shit what the hell is happening <laughs> like it's I'm, true. A, I'm an adult this shouldn't be happening I'm like no it's gonna happen no matter what and like um so if you had no constraints mm. would you start another business had no money constraints no like and no any anything any constraints at all yes um i dream about it all the time um i actually went to a mayan wellness center in the yucatan and if i had in where um, what city costa maya in costa maya um and i loved it i if i could bring someone if i can bring it here to the united states i think that um it would be an amazing wellness center with, um, you know, someone who cleans your energy, a shaman who's around to just, you know, read you. Um, they would put us in these hot water t- um, tubs with eu- eucalyptus and rosemary and lemongrass. And then the massages would start and they would do um, um, like sweat lodges and they did um, like know, a temazcal like a temazcal yes and they did you know like um, Mayan clay all over you and then you went and got another massage and then you know because you had now had clay everywhere you'd go into these other like fresh water basins and um, and I just think that the, de- the the whole process was a really beautiful very traditional um, very spiritual I, I felt really positive at the end of the day and it also gave me a chance to really disconnect no phones no computers um 
some of the wellness centers out there, they literally have no Wi-Fi on purpose so that you could stay there and do everything from ground up. Um, so, you know, getting your fresh water and boiling it, I mean, old school, but, um, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to reconnect to the earth. It's kind of nice to reconnect to ancestors. It's connect to yourself and give that, um, ability to others and have it here. So I, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to do something similar, maybe a smaller key because I have a little bit more restraints, but, um, I, I plan to do something to some scale here. Um, and also I'd love to redesign a real pregnancy pillow because honestly, all of them go flat in about two seconds and are not very supportive. Well, to your first idea, when is that opening? Cause yes. sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> and to the two. pregnancy pillow, can we get like a just a woman pillow? Cause I need one like right now, and I haven't been pregnant for like six oh, years. All of our body parts. So need like, some I need yeah, <laughs> I need that like. I feel I use I seriously use probably like four or five pillows mm -hmm. and then sometimes I use no pillows or just one pillow or something like I, I can't it's, I can't it's harder to get comfortable it's you know you're you need pillows underneath your knees you need pillows you know in between your legs for your back yeah and for my hips really like like when I'm sleeping hips, sideways yes. I put it be, like in between my knees but then it's too small, so then my ankles fall, but then that hurts another part of my yes. back. I'm like... So the ideal position... Just sleep in the air. Yeah. Just like <laughs> an airlift. An airlift to side. So the best position to sleep um, is always going to be on your back. But for those of us, like myself, who's a side sleeper, the best way to sleep is to have enough pillow support where our knees are actually not touching. Because when you have your knees touching, you're creating a lot of stress in your lower back and mm -hmm. your sacrum and your hips and so when you wake up in the morning you get all of that tension in your hips yeah that's again, pretty much how I wake up almost every single day <laughs> and most of the like the big prenatal body pillows they take up the entire room like they they're so huge and they go flat and they take up half the bed and they don't work and they end up on the floor you know anyway so or when I was pregnant, my husband would just take mine because he yeah. loved it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. He's, yeah. You're doing all the work and he gets the pillow? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. So thank you so much for sharing your story, your business, your life. And um, how can people find you? Like, what, what is your website and, and your social media pages? And your physically located in San Bruno. Correct. So I am uh, work physically located at 1001 Sneath Lane, uh, Suite 105 in San Bruno, California. Um, we are by appointment only, so you'd have to go to our website, which is uh, www.mayahuelmassage.com. That's M-A-Y-A-H-U-E-L massage.com. Um, and our social media on Facebook and Facebook. Instagram is the same name. So my well massage. So, okay. So on your business card, it mm -hmm. says your name and then it says CMT. So that's certified massage therapist. Correct. And that's like the initial certification that you got 25 years ago. Yeah. 
But since then, mm-hmm. what what other certifications do you have? Have you do you um, have? So to continue our certification through California, we need to constantly take more um, continuing education credits. Um, for me, I've taken about four or five different uh, classes regarding postpartum work. Um, I've also taken classes on prenatal work. I've taken classes on Mexican traditional medicine, um, postpartum and doula work. Um, I've taken classes um, for the Arvigo Mayan abdominal massage. I'm actually at the highest level right now, so I've certified through all of the different certifications through that program. Um, I've taken certifications on cupping. Um, oh, that's that's when you put the cups on your back and yes, it like and it sucks. sucks out the energy. Yes, that, and the dead, you know, the basically the stagnant blood, um, and it leaves the marks. They're not bruises. They're actually just more like hickeys because they don't hurt when you touch them, like a bruise would. But it does leave those you know famous circles that you see at all the athletes. Um, I've taken aromatherapy courses. I've taken, um, I've taken curandismo courses. I have taken, oh, uh, infant baby massage classes, and I've actually done a lot of training on baby massage, which I think is cool. Um, Do you have any infant clients? <laughs> not at the moment, um, but. I definitely think that we will do that once again. I used to do that more through the um, um, park and rec department. Mm-hmm. So we would have just like these, you know, one-off classes and invite a whole bunch of new moms with their babies. And, oh, and teach them how to massage their baby. To, oh, yeah, cool. so we teach them things how to work with colic and jaundice and, you know, um, little teething issues. Oh my god, I definitely needed that. Yeah, so I think it's amazing. I get to see the babies when they're out, not just when they're in. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. That's so cool. So thank you so much for sharing, and um, I have one last question. How, what do you recommend for people to get massages? Like, how often? how often is it like a person to person thing? It's, is it like is there should be there be like a maintenance or like so you know? um it does it just does differ um typically for the general person maintenance is about 4 to 6 weeks. Mm-hmm. If you are hurt or injured in a car accident or any kind of physical accident or even working out at a gym, the sooner you can get in and see a therapist and see them a little bit more often, sometimes weekly or every other week, is best because muscle has muscle, what's called muscle memory. And so it gets really stubborn and you want to kind of fix it before it stays in that position for too long. Um, When it comes to my prenatal clients, I typically follow their OBGYN schedule. So first and second trimester, that's typically going to be, you know, every four to five weeks as they get closer to birth. It's usually every two to three weeks. Um, and then postpartum work, if they have a C-section like you did, usually I tell them to Forever? Wait. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I, no, Go ahead. no, it's quite all right. I usually tell them, you know, you got to wait until it's six to eight weeks because that is major surgery. And I want to make sure that um, your stitches have healed, that there's no chance of infection or them opening back up, and that your doctor's given you a good, you know, clear... Um, 
However, if you have natural births, then I like to usually see them before the cuarenta is over. So usually between three and four weeks. Because I also think that, you know, about that's the time when a lot of women start to feel really overwhelmed. They're not sleeping, they're not eating, they're staying up all night, postpartum really kicks in. And so something that gives them a little bit of self-care is really important at that time because happy mama is happy baby. And so um, it, it also really depends on the person, what they do for their job, how stressed they are, how active they are. But typically the recommendation is about once a month for maintenance. If you want to improve a situation, it's going to cost, it's going to have you come in more often until that, until that situation gets better. And then you can go into maintenance. What about children? Mm -hmm. Like, what about like, do you recommend massage for children or like maybe athletes or maybe like injury if they've had like physical injuries or? Um, So what I have noticed in the last few years is um, that with children, a lot of parents have them in all year round sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they end up getting injured a lot more often. And I'm mm-hmm. starting to see a lot more kids coming in. Um, ideally, I mean, obviously I can't tell them what to do, but ideally I like to see kids doing, if they're going to do year-round sports, having them be different sports so that they're working different muscle groups, so they're, const- they're learning different balance. Um, and so they're strengthening their body all over. Mm-hmm. If they're playing baseball all of the time, it's the same throwing arm. It's the same, you know, knees position if they're catchers. And so that just degenerates their system so much quicker. Yeah. Um, and they're getting hurt and they're getting burned out, you know. So if you're looking for that high school um, star athlete, you don't want to burn them out before they get to be 10. Yeah, for <laughs> Give sure. Give them a little bit of a break. Introduce them to soccer, introduce them to dance, introduce them to other things that will balance them out for the, yeah. the sport they like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate everything you shared. And it's like really important for us to think about our own bodies in different ways. You know, there's so many ways like I I don't know I just feel like our bodies and our minds like physically Mm -hmm. emotionally mentally are we're like always on Mm -hmm. like always all the time like there's everything a lot everything is being thrown at us all the time because we literally have the world at our fingertips like you know we have the phone in the palm of our hand like we have the world in the palm of our hand and like we're like everything is being thrown at us all the time and it is really important to take time for disconnect yeah and be present I think that's the biggest um thing that I I noticed you know it's it's funny you say that and I'm probably gonna go over but um I recently went to Cuba and for anybody who travels there you'll find that there is no wi-fi there is no connection I mean you can get a card but it's 15 minutes of dial-up I mean you're talking back to 1999 with the AOL trying to, <laughs> trying to connect, waiting for it to connect. But what I noticed there is that the people are just so much more connected to each other, to life, to being present, to being outside, to really enjoying their life because they're not succumbed to the all the information on their phone. And I think that as a culture, we just all need to find balance 
and for me that's what 2020 is all about um, is bringing balance back bringing a little bit of that family and fun and being present in your own life but also you know running your business and being in the high-tech world and um, balancing both of those aspects a little bit more so we're not too far left or too far right yeah for sure definitely being present is really important and it and it's a concept that's really hard for people to grasp yeah yeah it is and even me sometimes like i i really understand it now sometimes it's hard for me to be present (laughs) yeah we all we all we all have our moments though you know but i think like you said earlier it's a practice yeah like meditation it's a practice Mm -hmm. it's it's something that you you need to do all the time consistently and it doesn't have to be daily but it's just it's a part of your life it's a part of you so that you can get better muscle memory is huge yeah so even your brain exactly needs muscle memory (laughs) yes definitely (laughs) all right well thank you so much thank you you have a wonderful day bye Thank you for listening to Relate and Elevate. Find me on Instagram at Giselle's World and on Facebook at GM Strategist. Make sure to visit my website, GiselleMartin.com and please, please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Hope you have an amazing day. Bye.